As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Soundcheck, the stories behind the chorus. Welcome to Soundcheck. This week, we are talking about music venues in Oklahoma City, particularly Tower Theater. And I'm joined by the operating partners, Stephen Tyler and Chad Whitehead. Um, And I'm trying to remember when Tower Theater reopened this last time. That would have been August of 2017. 2017, okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the history of the venue. Obviously, it was built in, I believe, the late 30s. It was in 1937. It was one of the like handful of like grand movie houses we had in Oklahoma City. It was where everybody got dressed up and went out and watched the moving pictures in the state-of-the-art, scientifically controlled air, cooled air, scientifically cooled air. It was a big deal that Tower had air conditioning back then. So it's, it's really cool looking. I mean, whenever you go uh, into it, you can just you can see the history still that it was that the old movie theater. Uh, and then what was it the 90s when it shut down? Mm-hmm. And then I feel like everybody wanted it to reopen. Yeah, I think it shut down in the late 80s. I think the last people that were in there operating was like a Hispanic church. Um, there was a lot of memorabilia in the projection booth and stuff of like some religious films and stuff that were all in Spanish. Uh, and then it went through basically like 30 years of, of darkness outside of the one year of music, as it was called in the late 90s, where some local promoters tried to throw some stuff in there. But they pretty much just got a hold of the room and threw some concerts in there and didn't you know, do anything to the building, didn't really try to rehab it or anything. Which it felt like such a waste for a long time. I know a lot of my friends were just, we just wanted to reopen that. Obviously, I don't have the means for that, but we wanted to, to see it revived as a music venue in particular. Yeah. And I know that uh, Mike and Marty Dillon bought it. They did mm-hmm. some renovations, but it was when the Pivot Project um, owners bought the property and did a complete remodel. I know yep. they used some historic tax credits to help with that, to keep some of the, the original look alive. Yeah, um, what the Dillons did in like, I think it was the early 2000s was bought it and then stabilized it. I think they put a new roof on it. Part of it had collapsed. Um, and what they did was essential for its survival. If they hadn't, you know, another 20 years of rain and outdoor exposure probably would have destroyed the building. Um, and then Pivot got it in 2014 and actually um, used a lot of the original drawings and concepts that the Dillons had created with Fitzsimmons Architects. They had they had a whole plan for the building already, but kind of to your point, you said a second ago, you didn't have the means to it. Like nobody had the means to undertake that at the time. Um, and I think that's what's really different. And it was in 2014, Uptown was revitalizing, Pivot was forming, and it was just sort of that right mix of people, place, and time where they had the resources and the, the vision to, to 
bring it back to life. I also think, this is Chad, I also think that maybe the neighborhood wasn't ready oh, yeah. for a concert venue uh, like Tower Theater to just pop up and start putting four or five concerts a week into the town. And I'm not sure Oklahoma City would have been ready for that in 2014 either. We wanted it, but I don't know that we were ready for it. Yeah, especially like you mentioned, the Uptown 23rd District, which is what it is now. But like you said, 10, 20 years ago, that was that pretty was, rough. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. rough. Like if you uh, hit a red light on 23rd, you'd try to run that because you didn't even want to stop your car on 23rd Street. And a lot of, not a lot of it, all of that has changed. Uh, and, and things are coalescing along 23rd together. That makes it all start to, it's all happening right now. And that's what makes it fun. Okay, so I saw on your, I think it was the Facebook page, uh, you refer to Tower Theater as a she. (laughs) (laughs) Why is Tower Theater a female? Like, I think there's that sort of universal standard of referring to like grand objects in the feminine like ships or or she's and so you know grand old lady kind of mentality is I'm not sure where that started. There was a a period of time before Steven and I were involved where the social media presence had a real strong female voice that was really well done Uh, but I don't know if somebody just decided it should be a female or if it's like hearkening back to like older days where maybe it was always referred to like that I really don't know oh, okay I thought maybe there's like some fun story of like a ghost that was in there so it's a, it's a female we can start one yeah we can make up whatever story we want. let's do it yeah um, and then let, let's talk a little bit more about the shows uh, how many shows do you guys book in a in a year uh, depends on what you want to call show but if you're talking about concerts, we push 130 to 150 that work chat is booking internally. Um, if you add in movie screenings, private events, other events, uh, the first calendar year we clocked 325. Wow, it's a, I mean, that's a lot yeah. of shows. We have something almost every day of the week. There's only one or two days a month that we are completely dark. Yeah. And you guys booked them. You work with other people to book? I primarily book concerts. We have other staff people that are working on private events and landing those. Occasionally we have an outside promoter who will rent the room, although we don't really do that as much anymore. Um, So a a great deal of the things on the calendar are coming through through my work and through Steven's work and then just other people on the team. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's Uh, crazy. (laughs) Let's talk about some of the, sorry, the past shows. I just stepped on Steven's foot. Uh, so Gillian Welch, Fosforescent, Gary Newman, Henry Rollins, even though I know that's spoken word and, and not necessarily a concert, but Todd Rundgren, just to name of the few shows that you guys have had in the past and then upcoming you guys have a ton coming up too. Like Bone Thugs and Harmony, Drive-By Truckers, and Real Big Fish. Yay. Yeah. Uh, going back to the 90s. What goes into to booking a show and what's kind of your mindset? Because we're looking at very eclectic styles here. So one of the things that Steven and I identified with our market was that Tower Theater, if it was going to survive financially, needed to be a really diverse room that really was capable of hosting almost anything. And Steven really designed the room technologically speaking, to be able to be something different every day of the week. And and we just couldn't survive without that. So being able to put chairs down for a seated comedy concert, then the next night you've got 
you know, maybe a standard concert with everyone standing, then you've got a church service and then a movie the next day. We really have to be creative to, to use the space as much as it needs to be used to pay all the bills. And then also our city, we just don't have the uh, the population density where Tower Theater could just be an indie rock venue or an, a hip hop venue. We, we have to keep it pretty diverse. Uh, and that's partly our city and that's partly just the marketplace of being a thousand cap venue. Mm -hmm. There really are not enough thousand cap bands touring in America to keep a room like Tower going just on its, like just with that as its primary business. So you do have to look for comedy shows, you have to look for some tributes, you have to do some seated things um, that a different crowd's gonna wanna come to because nobody can afford to go to 10 concerts a month. So you have to pick a lot of variety so that people are seeing a couple things a month that they wanna come to and they can afford to go to. Would you add anything to that? No, I mean, I, that was kind of the idea when we went into the, like you said, the design of the room. It was like, this needs to be great for anything. And, you know, we, we, we put a lot of, most of the investment into that was right there. And that's because, and we've done that. We've, we've had days where we've shown a movie in the morning and by two o'clock there's a band loading in and the next morning is a private party for a company like and it's literally like an 18 hour span where the room was not empty for more than maybe an hour or two wow. um, so it takes our staff which has had to grow pretty dramatically over the last couple of years we've gone from I mean we started out with Chad and I doing pretty much everything from like checking tickets at the door to to cleaning up the trash and stuff at night to the every now man. we have a I think our roster is over 35 employees oh wow um, not all full-time you know a lot of part-time techs event staff stuff like that so it all of those pieces had to come together like Chad said because that's the only way we think that we can service enough of Oklahoma City to financially make it all work like, mm -hmm. like I said you go to Dallas and then the same same neighborhoods that we're talking about surrounding tower there are five times as many people uh, just in you know that one area so yeah we have to deal with that in Oklahoma City because we're still growing and it's getting bigger and better every year and more people are moving in here and all that stuff so we're just kind of hoping that this this phase of tower is showing everybody that there's always something to do at tower you never know if it's gonna be a red dirt band or uh, a movie or you know your favorite hip-hop band from the 90s or the next hottest indie band um, and hopefully that that story becomes part of like what Tower's legacy is going forward, so that people are just always thinking about, you know, let's see what Tower's got going on tonight. Yeah, what was the coolest concert you guys have seen there? Or uh, coolest show in general? You inflected quite a bit on Gary Newman. Um, that show was pretty awesome from my perspective, because I actually didn't know who he was until we booked it. That happens a lot with Chad. He's, he's booking most of the stuff, and I see something pop up on the radar, and I'm like, I don't know what that is, and then I do some research, and I'm like, oh, this is literally like the grandfather of industrial music, and a lot of my favorite bands, Nine Inch Nails and all this stuff, were like inspired by, inspired by him, and then yeah. I see this show, and I'm like, oh, I get it. And then he brought this amazing light show, and here's this guy who's fairly old, on stage, just this heavy hitting awesome music with this fantastic light show um, and it was one of the few times that I kind of wandered into the around the green room after the fact and he was just like come on in let's talk and his, oh, wow. his whole crew was there and they were being super nice so stuff like that where you could like touch on a legend almost mm -hmm. and then you find out like there are normal 
wonderful person, and then it's just like kind of makes everything worth Gosh. it. And then, so you end up with that night just going, I saw one of the coolest things ever, I learned something new about music I already loved, and I got to meet this new person who awesome. didn't destroy my perception of all those people. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of answers to that question, Lacey, but we I just know, had, we had Thundercat a few weeks ago, which was a real fun one for me, because I am, I am personally a fan, but I, it also was a show that I worked for two years to try to bring to, to Oklahoma City. And it never just never came together, didn't work out. And so it was a lot of fun to like actually get that one and, and have it go really, really well. Um, but one of my favorites though, for, for just Oklahoma reasons was we, we hosted Wanda Jackson in 2018 and it ended up being one of her last kind of live shows. And, no, and she was, was quite, so she was quite, quite uh, of age. It took several of us to help her walk down the hall to get on the stage. But I'll never forget. Uh, it was a real honor to to have her on my arm, walking her down the hall. Uh, but when she heard her band, because it's like old school, where the band warms up the crowd and then the star comes oh, okay. out, you know. And so mm -hmm. they'd done a couple numbers. When she heard the band from the side stage, it's like she got 20 years younger. And she just threw off me and the other person helping her. She didn't need help anymore. And it's just like she just started to boogie her way onto the stage. And it was just really fun to watch somebody who loves what they do getting a chance to do it in a room like Tower that really sat vacant for most of, of her great career. And so, and her fans, of course, were incredible. And so it just was a big love fest. It was a really fun show to be at. That was one of my favorites. She's like, let's have a party. Seriously. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned her because she is a legend. She's the queen of rockabilly. Oh, I'm just, I love her so much. Um, sad to see that she's retiring, but understandable. Well obviously. deserved. <laughs> well, well deserved. deserved. <laughs> she needs a rest. Uh, last question. So I wouldn't say necessarily Oklahoma City was like a live music desert in, five years ago, but I will say I feel like it is picked up so much in the last five years with uh, several different music venues, including Tower Theater, opening up and different levels of, you know, you mentioned a 1000 capacity at you, at you guys venues. And it's not just the Chesapeake doing these massive shows. And then you've got like a smaller venue. I don't remember what the conservatory is called now. 89th but Street Collective. Yes. That has the very small concerts. There's now this kind of mid-size that's growing. Uh, how do you, how do you guys see the evolution of Oklahoma City's live music scene going currently versus let's say five years ago before these other music venues opened up? I think to have a, a, a marketplace for music, you've got to have the rooms. You've got to have a place to invite people to experience live music if they're ever going to fall in love with live music. And so if our only options were to drive to Dallas or Tulsa, then that eliminates a lot of people's ability to go check out live music. So having the rooms in the city where people are more able to go is a huge deal. Uh, that said, I think we need more rooms of varying sizes. Uh, as the rooms get bigger, you don't need more of them, so we don't need another criterion, but we need more 100 to 500 sized rooms that can help establish artists so mm -hmm. that as they build their fan bases, they're ready for a room like Tower Theater, whereas now we book them and they might only be good for two or 300 tickets, which is a lot of tickets, but if you put it inside Tower, it kind of feels empty because that room's a little bit too big. So it's all about having the right room for the right band at the right time, and we still have limited options in Oklahoma City. 
It's also really important to have those rooms and that like, I always refer to it as like a stair step. Like if you're a band that's starting in Oklahoma City, you've got to go play the Blue Note. You got to go play the 89th Street and play those 50, 150, whatever. Then you need a 300 to 500. If your fan base starts to grow, you've got to have a place to go. If you keep growing, then you've got to have that thousand. Then you got to have that 1500. You got to have that 3000. Otherwise, our own musicians can't get out of the city because to get to a regional tour type level, you have to be pulling three 500 fans. And if we don't have that ability to grow those here, we don't we don't have the ability to service our own artists. That's true. And at the same time, like if an artist comes through and plays 89th Street, but then next year they've blown up and we don't have a room that's big enough for them, they don't come back. So now we're like, we've had a few bands, I forget, there was a band recently that we booked that was like, we haven't been to Oklahoma City in 10 years because we went, we played back when we were playing 100 and we played this you know, place that doesn't exist anymore, but we haven't been able to come back because there's not been a room for us. Hmm. So it's really important, like Chad said, I think to have those rooms and to have the right sort of capacities and diversities in the right places so that we nurture our own art and then we also like attract and can nurture those bands because I would love to bring a band you know I'd love to see a band come to the 89th street and grow and next year they come to wherever and the year after that they come to tower and the year after that they go to criterion mm-hmm. and maybe 10 years later they're playing you know one of the amphitheaters that's opening or the Chesapeake yeah. or whatever like it'd be awesome if we could nurture bands through that entire like lifespan so would you guys ever open up one of your own rooms like that that you're referring to that sounds like a great idea that we could not comment on any further at this time. <laughs> awesome. That was Chad. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming on. Um, I do have TowerTheaterOKC.com as the website, and it's with an R-E. That's right. It's the old spelling, and follow us on social media as well, Tower Theater OKC. Thanks for joining us. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.